Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I'm Donovan D'Souza from The Long Way Is Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 33. We have another special guest on this week. We have Alyssa back in the studio. Welcome, Alyssa. Hello. And we are talking about The Long Way Is Better's recent adventure doing the Frenchman's Cap in Tasmania. Yes. So you guys did this over four days, and (laughs) it was a rather strenuous activity I think maybe one of you enjoyed more than the other. I think I, that's the general feeling of every hike. <laughs> but being, I think, Don being quite uh, the fanatic. But I think the overall rating for this one would be very high. I think we both agreed this was an outstanding hike. Well, generally, I'd say that this was probably the toughest hike, other than what I did in the caving tour in Vietnam, probably the toughest hike I've done but but <laughs> but I was getting there but probably the most spectacular yeah. so qu- worth worth the um worth all the steps and it wasn't just all mountains there was some Alyssa stuff in there for you there was rainforests yeah. and waterfalls, waterfalls yeah. fields of of shrubs of yeah. low shrubs so no the- no wombats though Nah, that's disappointing. You, did, you couldn't provide wombats, Don. I'm no. sorry. <laughs> so I guess we'll get into it. It's a four-day hike, but it's essentially a there and back um, yeah. experience. So of the six great bushwalks that they have, you know, that they promote as their great ones over there in Tassie, this is probably one of the two toughest, and it's the only one that's uh, there and back. Yep. So we've got two huts along the way, which are very nice one a lot nicer than the other yeah i mean they're both excellent quality but one of them's outstanding quality yeah and what kind of distances are we talking about overall for the four days so the first day is about 14 and a half the second day from vera to tahun is four and a half and then to the summits like two and a half or something like that yeah so Fairly lengthy, yeah, but it's uphill as well. Yeah, so the first day is probably more mellow. Second day is like it starts getting harder, and then the next one is just straight up. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll jump straight into day one and the logistics of everything. Let's talk about where this is in comparison to everything else in Tasmania. So Frenchman's Cap starts on Lyle Highway, which is the same highway that comes from Hobart that goes past Lake Saint Clair. And it's not that far from Lake Sinclair. It's only about half an hour from Lake Sinclair. So we had an onward journey up the West Coast after the hike, and we didn't really want to just leave it in the parking lot because Lyle Highway is just on the side of the road that you park for the Frenchman's Cap. So conveniently, because it's only half an hour from uh, Lake Sinclair, we were able to speak to the people at Derwent Bridge and leave our luggage there, and Alyssa arranged for that. Excellent work, Alyssa. <laughs> Thank you. I can organise things. Um, so what time did you guys start on the first day? It was quite late, wasn't it? Yeah, by the time we drove out there from Hobart, picked up some gas canisters um, and dropped our luggage off, I think we started around roughly midday-ish. Yeah. So yeah, quite a late start for us. We usually like to kind of head on the road and well, head on the path pretty early to kind of get a good start, but... I mean, that's as good as we could do, but still being 14 and a half Ks and quite a late sunset, we felt confident we'd get there before Yeah, so dark. this was the, the day before the summer solstice. 
So, you know, you're looking at, especially in Tassie, like a nine o'clock mm. sunset. So, you know, that's a full day. Yeah. You still had nine hours. So, yeah, yeah essentially starting at like nine o'clock. Yeah. If it was, you know, autumn or spring or winter. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Cool. So, what's the first kind of little section like? Because it is crossing one of the wild rivers that Tassie is famous for, isn't it? Yeah. So, within the first few kilometers, you cross the Franklin River. And it's a nice river. You know, it's, it was a bit low at the time we visited, but, you know, it's, a, it's beautiful. And it's a good reminder that this is a, a river that was saved. And part of the reason this area is called the Franklin Gordon Wild Rivers National Park is because of the work that was done in the 80s to save the, the area from becoming a dam by people like Bob Brown and so on and so forth. It went on mm. to bigger and better things afterwards. This was the, the home of the Greens Party, isn't it? Or the foundation of the Greens Party. In yeah, it's, it's that sort of like creation story. Yeah. I think we read that that famous picture that was used as part of their campaign is actually taken kind of a bit further on down uh, the Irene Abyss yeah, towards the Franklin the, River, the, that famous River's Bend picture the, that's used in lots and lots of... The famous photographer, I saw him in the Three Capes, Peter, yeah, Dombrovskis. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry if he's listening and I butchered his name, but yeah, I remember seeing that in the Three Capes. I mean, like, yeah, that would stir me as well to try and mm. save this place. I yeah. think, the, the like you said, the river we crossed wasn't as raging as that picture kind of indicates mm. it was a beautiful bridge though yeah and i remember you telling me that it previously used to be a um like just a a flying fox yeah. kind of thing. yeah <laughs> so well, m- much more adventurous not, not like a flying fox like a, a zipline kind of thing but more like um like a, a hand controlled cable car which was kind of cool That'd but be fun <laughs> but also i mean there's a lot of moving parts a lot yeah. of maintenance so and if, that, that, if uh, you fall in, yeah. especially when it's raging, that's it. <laughs> Whereas, you know, like a suspension bridge, you can build it and it probably doesn't need that much maintenance. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it makes more sense, especially with the numbers they have now. Imagine if you had to wait while every single person had to cross one by one. Yeah. And was it a fun bridge? Did it bounce a little bit? Yeah. Yes. There's yes. that uneasy sway as one tries not dropping their hiking poles into the river <laughs> at the first couple of kilometres of a hike. Yeah. <laughs> so what's what's next after moving on from the river? It's basically, um, I think, a little bit after that. So you rise up from the river and then you get the first bit of plains and you get the button grass plains and you can see the first bit of the, the really good track work they've done. So I guess the big story of this is that this was after the 10-year project that they they had put in place in 2008, which was instigated by Dick Smith. He did the walk and was horrified by the state of the track. And he paid a million dollars to get the track upgraded. And some of that work can be seen here where they've, they've basically hardened and raised the track. And it's a bit ugly looking because it's now this raised high mm. track with all these gutters so that the water can flow. It feels flow. like you're walking on a giant flat anthill. You know yeah, I mean? like I guess. the way it's kind of raised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but you know, like I think this this track I read somewhere someone referred to it as endless torture before, and it's not now. Mm. You know, I'd, I'd say this first day particularly is about as close as you're probably going to get in the southwest of Tassie 
to a Bibbleman track kind of set it and forget it kind of hike. Yeah. So, yeah, it was nice and easy going. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than trudging through mud when you don't necessarily have to. Yeah. I know a lot of people enjoy that kind of hiking. <laughs> but, yeah, especially if you're doing a multi-day hike, it's it's not ideal. And there no. was still plenty of mud in other spots <laughs> to kind of get your mud feel for the hike. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was also one of the spots where on the way back we actually saw a cute little echidna. We did. Oh, yeah. yeah. Tazzy's full of them, I hear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then after the the plains, you get back into rainforest. The rainforest here is outstanding. So, I mean, I think day one, we were really loving the rainforest, but it got even better on day two. But you, I remember you were saying like, you you were saying, oh, I really love this. Yeah, it's my kind of hike is walking through those kind of beautiful trees with the moss and the magic of the ferns growing on everything. And Mm. yeah, it's my kind of thing. And definitely to begin with, it was kind of nice undulating and kind of yeah it was a beautiful kind of way of easing into a hike yeah and i mean there's a lot of ascending so on this day you ascend to the not quite the summit of mount mullins but it goes up near the summit um through the franklin hills and i remember there was this one bit where we were rounding a corner and there was just ferns everywhere and it looked a lot like southeast queensland in some ways like that really lush forest but even more lush and there was that bit that I've taken a photo of where Alyssa's walking through this section and it's just all this like moss on a wall on one side and then ferns everywhere. And it's, I think that says a lot about how lush and wet this area is. Mm. So you guys got pretty lucky with the weather. Like you didn't have any whiteout days and from the top of the mountain... We, we did. You did? <laughs> but not in a bad way. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so the top of Mount Mullins, you mentioned you rise a little bit, and this is where you get the first views of Frenchman's Cap. Yes, if the weather's good. Yes. And it wasn't. It was, wasn't? No. Oh. No, it was a bit cloudy, and we could kind of make out roughly where it would be. And yeah. we were lucky on the day back, it was perfectly clear. So yeah. we kind of got the yeah the vibe of what it would have been like. There you go, the joys of the back, there and back hikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to see, see the same kind of views twice in completely different weather conditions is actually kind of nice and i think that that's a big thing with because a big thing with this track because a lot of people i think think of their back tracks as being a bit like oh i have to do the same thing again yeah but we actually really enjoyed the even though it was there and back you got to see the you know the same scenery from a different perspective and with completely different weather because the weather is a hundred percent changeable yeah. in the southwest of Tassie. Yeah. Um, so missed the views on the first day, got them on the last day coming back. Yep. Did that kind of spur you on? Just be like, let's get to the next peak or next little bit so we can try and get some some better views. Um. No. <laughs> no. Not so much. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> I think we knew that the first day wasn't going to be necessarily a day of viewing the Frenchman's cat with the weather we had. I think the first day was get to the hut (laughs) as fast as we could, Um, especially because the rain started to really hit down and kind of we were pretty much drenched by that point walking through the sodden Loddon. Well, it wasn't really the sodden Loddons that we went through. No, it's not the... Sodden Londons as they were once known. Yeah, it's the, the updated, updated, fresh, yeah, 
fresh sudden to, uh, <laughs> Dick Smith and Zach Biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what they've done now is, you, and you do see a bit of it because it it does go through some sections where they've boardwalked, and you can see how sodden the Lottens would have been. Mm. So um, what happens is, as as you descend, you then cross the um, the Lodden River, and on the other side of the Lodden River is where you start getting again button grass plains, and this is where they've they've diverted the track so it used to go more out through the plains and this is the section where i we met a guy in pine valley when we did the overland track and he said that he was chest deep in mud hmm. um how do you even move chest deep in mud it it is just like terrible people would have to you know you have sand. to carry your packs above your head yeah. um even just in like I, I read a report of someone who did it when it was just knee deep in mud hmm. and they said it took them, I think, like 15 hours to get to Lake Vera because wow. <laughs> it just was so painfully slow yeah. going. Um, and it's not like that anymore. So what mm. they've done is they've, they've boardwalked the first bit. And then once it gets to where the, the tra- old track was, the track now rises up to a, a section called Lawton's Lead. And it is much more enjoyable. It's... It is very much like Bibbleman track walking. Set it and forget it. You just walk. Yeah, we were able to pick up our pace a little bit more there. Yeah, because I think we were going a little bit slower with the ascending. And, you know, it was was lovely. So we were enjoying it. Taking our time. Yeah. Because you said in one of the posts you were responding to someone that this was kind of a... You didn't need to get the map out at all to navigate this track. No. I mean, I think... You you could be like you know there's we know some hikers in WA who are like really meditative. <laughs> um, I think they could do it, and yeah. because you don't really have to be paying as much attention. I mean, you have to pay attention to mud, mm. but in terms of missing turns, you're probably not going to. Yeah, because I'm guessing there wouldn't be a lot of crisscrossing tracks here or diversions to take you off. Not really. Not so much, but there I could imagine that we saw. Well, I was going to say I could imagine in some of the rainforesty sections that you could easily make up your own path. Like you, like you can see clearly where people have tread, and there's like a distinction in like dead dead leaves and things like that. But you could easily, without mm. thinking, accidentally walk off the main path. And you found that side track that we saw near the Loddon river bridge mm. where you were saying oh look there's a track that goes here but it's not obvious the most mm. obvious way to go is the frenchman's cap track yeah yeah definitely that's good so you mentioned the Loddon river yeah another bridge experience yeah how was how was that yeah nice swing bridge <laughs> <laughs> pretty much very similar to the first yep okay. <laughs> and i remember by that point it was really bucketing yeah yep and then, you know, after that, when you're on Lawton's lead, it's just set and forget it. It's nice. I mean, it's not... Some of it's not as pretty looking as what we encountered earlier. But then being able to walk fast is also, you know, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you don't want 15 hours. Not that it's going to take you that long anyway. Yeah. And there still was, you know, there was still lovely rainforest through the, the Lawton's lead section. Mm. It, was, it wasn't like it was bad. It's just, you know, that, that bit along the ascent to Mount Mullins was just really lovely and you've got that beautiful view of pickaxe ridge along your right as you're walking through yeah that was quite nice yeah it was and as you described it's like the pinger up plains yes um 
one wishes that the Bibbulmun track would be able to have a similarly enjoyable version of that, which we talked about in the last episode. As yes, you know, I'm not you? a fan of, of that, but I think I feel like there's so much potential for it to be better, and this is a clear example of how the Bibbulmun track could make it better. So what we're saying is we need a, a wealthy benefactor. Correct. Yes, Correct. we need a Western Australian Dick Smith. We need like a Twiggy Forest to divert some money down or Lang Gina Reinhardt. Oh, Gina he, could, he could do it. I mean, a million dollars is nothing yeah, to him. Exactly. You know? <laughs> All right, we'll start writing letters there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or we're putting the call out for any wealthy benefactors. Yeah, we'll rename the Pindurup Plains the Forest Forest or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Twiggy uh, Plains. Twiggy Plains. <laughs> Okay, so you exit the Tasmanian Pindurup Plains and into more rainforest and kind of reminisced about another section that you'd done. We did. Yeah, there was a fallen log and I said to Alyssa, oh, we should try and reenact that scene from when the uh, Donnelly River Village to Pemberton section and Alyssa was like just casually leaning underneath the log. and said, That was my um, Kathmandu catalogue Your cal- Your calendar. <laughs> my... En- my, my Entry into hiking modeling. Yeah. Um, and Alyssa was not I was interested. not keen. No. Now, by <laughs> why, that point, I was, was soaked. The ground was muddy and I had a giant pack on my back and it was not going to happen. No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and even on the way back, I got offered it again and I decided I nearly went down and then it went, no. Nah. Come on, we need these shots for the Instagram. It's, well, it's all about the gram for Don. Yeah. Maybe maybe another time we'll try and find another way. I think we can come up with a more unique and creative yep. position. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll find we'll find something different than the side lay. Yep. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from the fallen trees, there's lots of the boardwalk which was lovely um where I, that was generously paid for by Mr. Smith. And then you guys thought you were really close to the hut. Yeah, so now this, this I've got to, people who have used John Chapman's guidebooks, you'll understand what I mean when I say John Chapman flat. You know, he says flat, and he's basically gone, yep, from here to here, this is the general trend, this is it. And it doesn't take into account any of the nuances of what that really is like. So that, that might be that, you know, say it's a, you know, it's a mild ascent, but maybe there's a lot of undulations in that. No, he won't tell you that. And so we had no idea how far we were, and it looked like we were coming close to the end because we saw tools at the side of the track, we saw this lovely boardwalk, and we're thinking, oh, we're probably near the hut. Hmm. No, not at all. <laughs> we had more ascending to do, and there was a lot of steps. <laughs> It looks quite pretty, though, from the pictures. There's oh, it was. Lush rainforest and stuff to keep you distracted. Exactly. I think this is that's the great trend of this walk is that the the bits where there was steep ascending, there was lovely rainforest walking. And if you like rainforest, then it will keep you engaged. Alyssa, were you engaged? Because you love the rainforest. Or was Don I constantly do, but... telling you, just around this corner, just around this corner? No, I think by that point... And the disappointment that we weren't at the hut. Um, I think I said, and knowing that this was a big up and starting to go up, there was lots and lots of stairs. And basically I'm much slower going upstairs. And I said to Don, you go ahead. 
you can go to your don don go you you go at your speed i'll go at mine so by that point i was kind of by myself kind of lumbering up so i got lots of time to take in the rainforest because i tend to walk a bit walk 50 paces have a little breather walk 50 paces have a little breather and while i have my breather i get to take in the moss and the fungus and the mm. the birds yeah meanwhile i think i was just starting to get really hungry because we decided we weren't going to eat. <laughs> yeah, we didn't eat lunch, which was one of our biggest problems of the day. Um, and one that would be repeated the next day, not quite to As the bad. no eating lunch, but not enough lunch. No. Um, and so I was just like, I just want to get to the hut. Yeah. And I think because it rained, we were very hesitant to take off our packs and get our food. And we just didn't That's plan right. it well enough that we had food directly on us like from then on i had like a snack in my pocket all the time mm. but i think we were so excited to start the hike we didn't think about it we started hiking and about the time when we should have eaten lunch we were like nah let's just keep going we're nearly there right um and it wasn't yeah <laughs> so by the time we actually got to that last up before the the hut i think my energy levels were very low so i was probably going i was going really slow i recognized that from myself i was like this is not good but it was the last hurrah, yeah. and it was still lovely. And when we got to that flat bit where it was just all those, the you know, the raised, hardened track with the gutters, it was just like... Uh, the open clearing yes, after the rain. we're almost there. And it's like, I mean, people who have done tracks like the Bibbleman will know the just the great elation you feel when you see a toilet. Yes. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, thank God. Civilization. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, you just you descend a bit and then you're at the hut. And yeah, it was it was good. Yeah. And when you got to the hut, you discovered kind of not one of the flaws of this tracks, but one of the idiosyncrasies that while you're going in one direction, there may be people coming back. That's so you're correct. not guaranteed that the hut is going to be empty if you're the only people you've seen that day. Yeah. So this is a bit of a problem with the track is that there's a bottleneck at Vera. There's, you know, you've got two lots of people, those going up, those coming down, and they're both wanting to stay in the same hut. And when, when we got there, we found that all the bunks were full. I mean, we could have sat up, but it would have been uncomfortable. It would have been full. very sardines. Yeah. And, and I don't like sleeping like sardines. And also there's another reason as well, from past experience, you're yeah. noisy sleeping mats. <laughs> yes. Fears. Although this time I did not bring that my Cedar Summit for that reason, I bought a very, very old Kathmandu um, foam mattress, yeah, <laughs> which like, hence in all the pictures why my my um, pack looks giant. It's because it couldn't fit in my pack and I had to strap it to the outside. So very bulky, but I probably slept the best. And you brought a real pillow as And well. I bought a real pillow as well as an old blow-up pillow as well. Yeah. So yeah. I, I've, my luxuries this trip, although my pack was very full that I could have a really good sleep. But I didn't think sleeping in the hut was going to yeah. still cut it. Which is why it's good that... So they... I think I think a long-term solution would be to build a second hut mm. and maybe have one that's an up hut, one that's a down hut. Um, but what they have done is that they've built a lot of tent platforms. And the tent platforms, if you've done the overland, will will, will know the, the style that Tasmania have where they have these chains that come out and you can push them in and, and then tie your tent to it and they really are i think the industry standard and i'm surprised that other states haven't stolen the idea mm. um and they're really comfortable they're good to set up on um 
it was much better sleeping that way, I think, than if we'd been in the hut. Yeah, because they certainly look a lot more comfy, and you haven't don't have like the situation where you have like a rock or a stick or something poking you in the ground, or your tent's not quite level. Yeah, they certainly look the goods, and that's where you guys spent your first night. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, but in terms of the hut, what are the facilities like um, at Lake Vera? It's very good. I mean, I think it's the that particular style of hut was the sort of standard at one time in the late 70s, early 80s, because it's almost a carbon copy of the one that you see at Pine Valley on the Overland Track, as well as, what's the other hut that looks Waterfall like? and Windermere. Ki- and no, Kiora. Kia- oh, yeah. Yeah, because Windermere is a bit bigger, similar style with like the, the offset roof. Yep. Um, but... I think the one at Kiora and Pine Valley are identical, um, except that those ones have a bigger veranda, whereas this is a bit small. And I think from we saw some wood that was left around, and there was a question and that maybe they're going to build a bigger veranda because mm. I think that would help out. A bigger wet, like a like a mud room. Yeah, wet just, room. Because at the moment it's this tiny little space, and you've got you know twenty something people wanting to put all their shoes and raincoats and um gators yeah all there and it's just not enough room mm. so how many people did you have that night staying there I mean about 20 something i think oh maybe there was a, quite a few people heading out the next day so they'd yeah. just been down from tahoon as well as a mix of people heading our direction going up as well as a mix of people that were camping there for the next day but doing a day hike so there's quite a variety of people with different plans yeah but i mean i think it's i think it's kind of cool that you get to see people coming down because you can ask them about how their journey is going Mm. whereas you know i think with other adventures in tassie where they're generally quite one way you're not going to run into people who have done the next bit of the journey kind of like the bibbleman where you stay at a hut and someone's just been where you're going to go the next day and you can kind of talk about highlights or things to watch out for or yeah and you're kind of not stuck with not stuck but you're not with the same people the whole time you may get yeah different people that you can talk to Yeah. yeah yeah And I think it's interesting that the Trek demographics are very, very different to probably the Overland and Three Capes, where you're probably looking at an overwhelmingly national or international audience. The track is still at the moment a majority Tasmanian hikers. We were you know, the only West Australians there, and there was a couple from Sydney. I think that was it. The rest were all Tasmanians. So mm. I think it's it's still not quite yet at that level where it's got the reputation that's international, but certainly the huts are at capacity while Vera is at capacity. Yeah. Maybe they need to start charging for them. That'll get it on people's <laughs> radars. <laughs> that's likely to happen in the next few years. So at the moment it's free. And when we talk about Lake Tahoon, you'll kind of see why it probably is almost too good to be free but at the moment it is and if you are doing it in the next year or so and enjoy the fact that it's free because it's amazing okay so i mean in the blog you you mentioned that this was probably one of the better night's sleep that you'd had on the trail or Mm. any trail yes any (laughs) was that because of the the day or just just coincidence i think just we we well we've Last year, we upgraded our tent to a copper spur, Big Agnes, and I think that they're much more spacious and enjoyable to to sleep in. And then also, just not being in a hut is probably better. 
I think for me, my best sleep was the last night, though. And that's just because for me, it takes me a while to get used to being in a different space. Mm. But I remember you saying on this day, you were like, that was the best sleep I've had in, you know, in a in long a, time yeah. <laughs> or ever. <laughs> no, I think overall it was the best. And I know partly that was to do with the bedding and mm. getting kind of a lot of time to get it wrong and experiment. And then also the fact that we were very tired <laughs> by that point. It was a long day mm. with all the travel beforehand as well as the hike yeah. itself. Yeah, so I forgot to ask you guys before, how long did it take you to get to the hut if you started at midday? I think it was about five hours. And that was, you know, we didn't really stop for a meal. Mm-hmm. You know, there were occasional stops just to like, oh, look at this or catch our breath or whatever. But, you yeah, know, that was... And I think that's about normal speed. I think it was recommended up to six hours would be the time it could take. Yeah. So we were probably about in the middle of, of yeah. what's the the normal. Mm. And did you get a good sunset that night? It was a bit cloudy. It was okay. <laughs> yeah, I think... I don't really remember. I remember taking some photos and, yeah, they're okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll move on to day two then. So this was a very short day in terms of kilometers, but a very steep and difficult day. But still five hours. <laughs> yeah. You know, interestingly enough, the ascent was less steep than what we did for Walls of Jerusalem. Because in Walls of Jerusalem, I think it was two and a half Ks, 500 meter ascent. This wasn't even that, but it was much harder. And that's because of the tangle of roots. The rainforest is just punishing (laughs) when when you have, you know, slow going with this, you know, you watch where you step because you could fall over very easily. And the footing, Mm. because it'd been raining, there's a lot of those cut, they've got this very distinct style of Log ladders. La- log ladders that are wet, well, wet logs. So it feels like you're taking every step has like a pause. It's not like an easy, fast run up, or at least not for us. No. Um, especially with the packs on our back. So I think because of that, it still took quite a while. Yeah, and and we were about average because in the book he says three and a half to six hours or yeah. something like that, and we did about that <laughs> or yeah. five hours six three and a half and five hours we did five hours so that's pretty good then yeah yeah um but the start of the day was quite relaxing in terms to of, begin with yeah it's um, kind of a leisurely walk around lake vera and the lake's beautiful yeah that I was mean, lovely the lakes in tassie are always outstanding mm. so it was similarly outstanding yeah <laughs> and any, any at, platypus no no i don't no. think we were really kind of quiet enough or walking with enough care to pay attention to a platypus. Mm. Yep. <laughs> yep. All right. <laughs> so start of the day is walking along Lake Vera and more lush rainforest. And you said that this was much better rainforest than day one. Oh, and we, we thought day one was great and it was even better. So I think the, the turn where things just get really amazing is when you start walking along Vera Creek. And it's only like a kilometer of the day, not even, but that kilometer, I think, is like one of the finest kilometers. That was my favorite part. (laughs) Yeah, because you're you're walking next to this creek, and there's just waterfalls and cascades the whole way, and the rainforest, because, you know, there's just this constant flow of water, and it's so wet, it's just moss at 100%, you know, like, I've never seen, even in, in tropical Queensland, moss 
at the level that we were seeing. It was better than Pine Valley, and I thought Pine Valley was amazing. Yeah, very magical. Every turn, I was like, Don, take a photo. Don, <laughs> take a photo. I yeah. think Don's well ahead. He's already taken five photos by then. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, and then you begin the serious undulation. Well, I would say I it's think we all up. had already started. <laughs> that was a serious undulation, <laughs> yeah. and then it got to the serious, just going up. The ultra serious. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like it, it kind of le- so once you leave the the creek, it, it levels out slightly, and then just straight up. And Lots of stairs. Yeah, a lot of going up. Um, you know, there was like water, like not waterfalls, but drips coming down, like a, like a, a sh- you know, like a shawl of water coming down the side of the cliffs and um lots of water going down the actual path that yeah, we were hiking a lot of a lot of rock steps and there was one point where i thought we were coming to the end because i could see the light and we came to a clearing i was like look and you can see charlene's peak <laughs> and i waited for a list i thought oh we're almost there we might as well wait to oh, walk darn. up to baron's pass but no nope. i was wrong there was a lot more ascending to do <laughs> That felt kind of like the feeling of the day of we're nearly there. We, we've been pushing it so much. We must be at the top. No. No. <laughs> you're not. Yeah, it's one thing you never do when you're with someone who doesn't like the peaks is tell them that we're always there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that famous cartoon of uh, what do you say? And it's got the crisscross up the mountain. It's always we're almost there. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. you always say that. Um and then, you know, you emerge from the rainforest after, you know, like it's just stairs, 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 stairs. And then you're at Barren Pass. And we were really lucky because as we got there, the clouds were parting. You could see Frenchman's was just a wisp of cloud in front of it. And it's just one of the, you know, one of the best scenes, I think. You know, it's one of those moments where you, you go, yep, this is why Tasmania is so special. Um, yeah, just so beautiful. And yeah, you look. were alone at this point, weren't you? Well, no, there were some other people who had ascended in front of us, <laughs> but um, I was, yeah, I was just taking photos and just taking it in. And then Alyssa came up, and there's a great photo on the blog of her looking very relieved <laughs> to be at the top. Finally got there. <laughs> like, yes! It's a very, very happy face. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It oh. felt like an eternity. Like, I honestly, I know you say that the hike up to um, Walls of Jerusalem was harder, but... No, I didn't say it was harder. Was, I said was, it was well, steeper. Well, steeper and longer. <laughs> but this was harder. This was way harder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, I was very happy to be finally at the top of Barron's Pass because that yeah. was quite an up. Because, I mean, if you think about the steepness, it's no... You know, the, the gradient is no worse than what you do to climb Mount Vincent and Mount Cuthbert on the Bibbulmun. The terrain is what makes it so much harder. That wet ground with all the roots the mud. is just, you know, it's another thing. You always have to account for more time than mm. if you were walking on, you know, laterite and Or just granite. clear-cut steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, I understand. Because I was doing Adamson Falls in Tassie and I was getting from the base of the falls to the top and I knew there was more falls to go and there was just this root system of mud and you know, I was having <laughs> to pull myself up. I was like, surely Tassie can't be all like this. But it was... Yeah, I can imagine it'd be quite hard. Yeah, quite similar. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of little peaks that you could potentially climb up here, but yeah. John Chapman gave a little kind of flippant, they're airy. Yeah. 
to get there. <laughs> um, and there was some guys who were coming back from Frenchman's and they they were going to do it. And when they read Airy and they said, if Chapman says it's Airy, we probably don't want to do it because it's probably death. Mm. Um, and it, it looks pretty dangerous. You know, I think you'd have to be pretty prepared and have good weather. And, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't chance it. Yeah. So this is where we talked about your lunch on day two kind of being a bit interrupted because you saw a group behind you or in front of you and you wanted to get ahead of them to get to the, the hut first. Yeah, so part of it was that because I snore and Alyssa is worried about making noise and I'm in the I'm hut, a restless sleeper. Yeah. As in I move a lot. We really just wanted to claim an area and just say, like, look, we're going to be here. You guys can have the room because we knew that the bunk room had a door that they could close. And we just wanted to just have that sorted so that they didn't set up in the main space and then us tell them, would you mind moving because we might be noisy. So I really wanted to get there and they overtook us at that point. And I was just like, no, no. But... In the end, we so we were walking along this ridge, and the ridge is outstanding. I mean, we're talking about outstanding rainforest, and then we've got outstanding mountain ridge walking afterwards. Mm. Um, and there was a spot where everyone stopped and had lunch. And Alyssa and I said, I think we've got a chance. And Alyssa <laughs> said, I want you to go ahead, because I know you. this really matters to you. <laughs> so, and you're much faster than me. So yeah. <laughs> I'm so, fine. We ju- I just pressed on and, you know, there were there were some steep bits. There was a bit where I had to run up <laughs> the flights of stairs, um, but we got there. You know, I, I, on the other hand, fell down some stairs. That was fun. That's true, yeah. Like full-on Melissa McCarthy slip down, right down to the bottom. That was a very good moment of the day. But I did have my pack on and that giant bulky mattress kind of saved my... My spine. Yes. <laughs> but I kind of wish someone had seen it, <laughs> just so they could laugh at me. Yeah. Because I was laughing at myself. Cool. And it's just... <laughs> <laughs> the, I think as well, you get to that point where you're just like, we're almost there, I want to get there. And, you know, you start becoming clumsy and not not worrying, not thinking as clearly. It's quite a natural thing to do. And, mm. and it's also just... It's just stunning. So the first bit from Barren Pass is much more rugged. There's a lot of there's like a bit where there's a boulder field where just the mountain has collapsed at some point. And you have to you know climb over the boulders, and then closer to the hut there's this this lovely alpine garden. It looks like it's been manicured with all the scoporia and the um, the waratahs and the pandan and the pandane, um, and then you see the the hut and it's you see first you see the toilet again um which has has to have the greatest toilet view in australia okay like i i I regret the fact i didn't get a photograph because i thought about it the next day and it was really cloudy but it has the greatest toilet view and you see the helipad and then you see the hut and the hut is next level um I think a lot of people in Tassie hated some of the modern huts. Like they, particularly Bert Nichols, is is despised as this giant ski lodge, mm. and it's impractical because everyone says in winter it's horribly cold, and when we were there, it was horribly hot. Mm. So it doesn't serve the purpose. 
and you know as as you've experienced mark there's a lot of hatred for the three capes huts the gluts <laughs> yeah <laughs> they were referred to as the the huts there's the gluts yeah. you know like with such vitriol by the people but this one seems to be like it's got the balance right it's not overly huge it's got good facilities it's comfortable i'm sure there'd be some who would refer to it as you know the, as a glut and excessive and and too much but i think the majority of people that we met they said it was the best that they've seen they thought they got the balance absolutely right mm. um and it's you know the the funk the features are amazing it's has electricity which comes from hydroelectricity it has passive heating panels in the roof it's very insulated because when we were there the electricity wasn't working but yet it was nice and warm inside the hut mm. the view you know, from the from there you can see the mountains of the overland track in the distance then you look out the the back and you see frenchman's cap mm. and lake tahun so that's the thing about these kind of experiences you still want to be a little bit wild because you're in a wilderness area but then you don't want to have the whole 15 hours of slogging through mud to get to a tiny cramped hut where yeah. everyone's gear is going to be all over each other so kind of nice that they've got that balance as you said i think that i think so i think that you know not only is it it's not just a luxury it's also practical you know the reason why new zealand has a lot of these hut style walks is because it's practical to have that in alpine areas and so i think that it strikes a nice balance because it's it's hardcore walking you know this is very difficult it's probably one of the most hard multi-days that Alyssa and i have done but then it's lovely at the end of the day to go, isn't it nice that I can just chill out in this hut, mm. <laughs> you know? Um, and especially, you know, Lake Tahun is probably, I think that's the gold standard for what we'll probably see more of in hut developments that aren't of the luxury kind of, the, for yeah. public huts, this is probably as, as good as it gets, I think. Yeah. Uh, and one of the features of this hut is there is a little bit of a story of where you sleep and there's an attached book that you can also buy that tells you a little bit of the history of the area and the people and the culture mm. of Tasmanian bushwalking. So every bed has like a name plaque above it and some of the names you'll recognise, some of them you don't. But they have this book that is in the hut and what it is is it's called um, Whose Bed Are You Sleeping In? And it chronicles, you know, the so, sort of these mini biographies of all these people who contributed to the story of Frenchman's Cap. So the people who discovered it, or, well, not discovered it, but you know. <laughs> people that first would have hiked to it or... Yeah. Or be the instrumental. Westerners, yeah. Yeah, instrumental in kind of defining it or mapping the land. Yeah. So that's that's all in in the book. They they talk about each of these people who were characters that played some role in this becoming what it was. And it's really interesting because you find out that, for example, that this track only exists because this land was worthless. That basically they were looking for gold and they're looking for minerals. And they went, this land is absolutely worthless. We'll make it a national park. We'll build the trail. And it was basically a commerce track. That they were building to explore the area yeah. um, and thank goodness that it was worthless because yeah. imagine if it was made of gold yeah. or iron yeah, the dwarves would have come in <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's so much 
more valuable to you know people like you and I and people who do hiking mm. to see this sort of places. That's cool. And where did you guys sleep? Whose bed did you sleep in? I was in Jim and Una, who were a couple. Yep, and mm. I was in Dick and Pip's bed. So I would have had to move if Dick Smith had shown up. Yeah, yeah that's what <laughs> yeah. I imagine, is that it's like a... If he comes... Oh, yeah. sorry, sir. Sorry, sir. Yeah, <laughs> you're in my bed. Yeah. <laughs> it's got my name on it. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so from here, what you guys would have arrived, I'm guessing, around midday, just after midday? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had lunch. Yeah, about there. We had lunch. Break. Yep. And then decided to go off to the summit that day. Yeah, so the hut's at 980 and the summit's at 1446, so that's another 466 metres of ascending to do, and it's only in like two and a half k's, so it's pretty steep. And here's where we probably should have eaten more food, you know? Like, we didn't eat... This is this seems to be the story of this hike, you know? We didn't have lunch on the first day. Second day, we had lunch, but not enough. And... Normally, I would carry like a muesli bar in my pocket, and I forgot. <laughs> so it was, you know, pretty hard. Like I was, we were going up, and I started feeling really hungry and weak. Um, but the walking is exceptional. You know, like I would say that the walk from Vera to Tahun is five stars, and the walk to the summit is five stars. And so you leave the hut, and you're walking around this. Um, what's basically a glacial cirque, which is what Tahun, Lake Tahun is. And you just see this lake and you see the cliffs surrounding it. Um, and it's, you know, it's like the typical thing. It's, it's probably, probably for us mere mortals who don't want to, you know, if you're not doing the West Arthur, this is as close as you're going to get to like an Oberon experience. Um, and it's just so beautiful. You see the lake there and all the greenery. And the track kind of skirts up around and it zigzags then up to the summit of Frenchman's. And you see Lion's Head on one side and you see, you know, there's this bit where you walk up and you can see through the gap. There's like a, a mountain pass and there's just more mountains beyond. I think for the most part, up until North Cole at that point, it was quite an easy mountain up. Yeah, it's it's so uh, to begin with, it's just like, it's like, um, you know, doing... Bluff Knoll, where it's just stairs. Yeah. And then once you get to this, there's a point where there's a junction where if you turn right, you'll get to Irenebis, the track that goes to Irenebis, and then the other one's to the summit. And that's when it starts getting scrambly. Yep. And some of the scrambling was pretty hard. Yeah. I remember, Alyssa, you had reservations before you left that you maybe not be able to get to the summit. Yep. And I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) So our friend... My friend Bonnie, I asked her for advice on this. She said, oh, it's easier than Cradle Mountain. It's easier than Ossa. And I was like, oh, great. No, it's not. (laughs) And I can tell you it it is harder than Cradle because I did Cradle a couple of days later. And it was way harder to do Frenchman's than Cradle. Yeah, I just got to a point. I think it was a... We'd done quite a bit of rock climbing like rock bouldering, whatever you call it, climbing up until this point where water was flowing down the rock. Um, it was just an, I couldn't work out where my legs and my feet could easily pull myself up. And there was quite a drop behind me as well. And yeah. I just kind of couldn't work it out. Some ladies had just gone up and as they were coming down, were telling us that that was probably... They said it, there was, well, it was the sketchiest part. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a bit sketchy. You know, and reg- like, I was pretty determined to still do it. 
after I heard that. But once I tried to start a few times, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get yeah. over this part. It's and A lot of it is the confidence of you have, like it was basically a series of moves you had to do. And if you did those, you'd be fine. Mm. But if you, if you weren't confident with that, you probably weren't going to make it. And I think personally, I'd already pushed it. I was pushing pretty hard that day because I knew it was quite an epic day. Mm. Um, and I think mentally and physically I was very tired and had reached a point of, ah, this is enough for me. I'm quite happy here. Yeah. I had beautiful views. I got to sit there and look at it for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> from there, you still get to see Lion's Head. You still get to see the view down to the lake and you can see the hut down and below. And you can see the mountains across, like yeah. Memnon and everything. Like it was actually, it was quite high up, high up at that point. Yeah. And then from then from the summit, you can see even more. Yeah. <laughs> so, well. <laughs> so why don't you tell us about that, John? Oh, the view from the summit was just outstanding. Like I think there was another bit that was also a bit sketchy and being by myself, I was a bit more worried than I would have been. But, you know, I got up there anyway and, it just, there's so many false summits though. You know, like you're getting up there and you think you're there and then you turn the corner and there's more and there's more and it's sort of like, it, you know, bends. And then we were told when you see this big snow field section off the track that you'll know that you'll know that you're really close. And then from there, it was just like a short walk up to the top and I was at the summit and the views are really 360 views. You know, in the, to the north, you can see the lakes that they flooded to build some dams and they don't look like like dams from here they just look like mm. massive lakes and then to your east you're seeing the mountains of the overland to the you know to the west and southwest you're seeing the southwest national park areas where the south coast track and the west arthurs are and yeah just the views were fantastic and you can look back to barren pass as well like i've got a photo of that area with the lakes and the pass and it's just yeah outstanding i think this is probably to to me the best mountain that i've i've walked and it was worth you know it's, it's worth the the effort and the hype of it yeah. being a great bushwalk hmm. excellent and worth the entry fee as well the free <laughs> entry the free fee entry. which yeah you just you have i mean you still have to pay for your national parks pass but yeah, for, for for free, it's pretty damn good. Yeah. <laughs> and we were lucky the day that we actually decided to ascend. Um, we had quite beautiful weather. It was quite cloudy, but n no kind of rain or kind of really heavy clouds coming in, as opposed to the people that were staying at Tahoon with us, yeah. who left it, left it for the next day and had kind of white out yeah. conditions up there. And they still went up, but... And this is something very much. something that I I learnt from when you and I, Mark, did the Stirling Ridge. Yeah. Is that the weather forecast may say fine <laughs> or slightly cloudy, but yeah. in the mountain area, you just don't accept that. Yeah. You just go take it when you got it. <laughs> exactly. So, like you know, it would have you know it would have been nicer to have a relaxing afternoon, do the summit in the morning, and then go down. But if we had done that. We would have had whiteout conditions, mm. so it was just perfect timing, and you got to take it. You know, when you're there, you see it's clear. Just do it. Yeah, yep. So cool. And then coming back down, fairly easy experience. Yeah, much much nicer day. I think that day was we we also it was whiteout when we were. Going it was, down. and I think having there's quite a different mentality going 
back on a track that you've already passed through. You have your expectations are more realistic. You, I don't know, I was a bit more at ease. We had more, there wasn't a time, yeah, it wasn't time sensitive or any pressure. We kind of had the whole day to do the the five hours. And everything's signposted because, you know, you remember, you're like, oh, there's Baron's Pass. Oh, there's that waterfall. Oh, there's that. Mm. So having that is really good for, you know, the mental game of walking <laughs> down. Um, and here's the thing is that because it was wide out, I actually quite liked that that was a different experience because it was, we got to see the same landscape in a completely different light. Very moody. Um, yeah, and there's some really nice photos that, of that area with the the whiteout conditions, which is completely different to what we saw when, when we were going up. So I, I think that that's a, a good thing. And because there was rain, the waterfalls were even nicer <laughs> coming down. So, you know, that's that's always an added, added bonus. And um, while it's the same thing, because of the different weather, it almost felt like a completely different hike. And equally painful. I think going down after two days of going up your knees start to not feel mm. like normal knees. Yeah, especially with <laughs> a, a 10 to 15% gradient going down, that's always going to be a tough one. Yeah, yeah, I was very thankful for my walking sticks at that point. Yeah. So what was it like staying at Tahoon Hut? Yeah, Tahoon was... So where we stayed, I think if I were to stay there again, I wouldn't stay in Dick and Pip's bed. Um partly because the there's no blinds or anything so the light comes straight in uh, I'll probably sleep in the corner which I think would have been better uh, but otherwise you know it was really nice but it was probably our worst sleep unfortunately like I think the tent that both nights when we were at Vera we slept in the tent and it was nicer mm. yeah because I suppose being summer solstice it's also then means dawn comes a lot earlier too mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so what were the conditions coming back down the mountain and like you said it was clearer before was that both days or was that just the last day? I uh, think by the end of the third day it warmed up quite significantly because yeah. we were able to well, we got to Lake Vera quite early well we got around lunchtime we were able to set out our tent which had gotten wet the first night and kind of dry off everything that was and it dried in. like in an hour because <laughs> you know the UV and Tassie's absurd. <laughs> Um, and then the last day was um, really quite nice and warm. Yeah. If anything, too warm. Yeah. We're going to be so picky. <laughs> the, the night we were there, it was good because, you know, you asked us, did we have good views at Vera? No. But on the third night, we had lovely views at Vera of the mountains. And then on the day out, it was almost too hot. But as a result, it had baked all of the muddy sections of the track <laughs> dry. And it was the only day of the track that was dry boot standard. <laughs> yep. We had dry socks by the end. Yep. We actually got dry-ish. to the end with dry socks. I mean, sweaty, yeah. but dry. <laughs> yep. Uh, that's another bonus. <laughs> and then just at the end, we saw an echidna, which uh, was awesome. Oh, I forgot to mention, I saw a spotted quoll at Lake Vera. Yes. Like a huge uh. spotted quoll, to the point that people questioned that it was actually a quoll. I actually remember that, because you sent that through on the uh, the group chat. Yep. And I showed it to Karis, and she was like, what's that? I was like, it's a spotted quoll. She's like, but they're nocturnal. Yeah, it was like yep. quite early in the morning. It was like 6 a.m., and I'd just gotten up, and I was walking towards the toilet, and just in my path was a quoll heading down the path. Mm. Uh, I thought it was a Tasmanian um, devil at first because it was quite big and fat. But no, it was a quoll, and it didn't care that I was there. It saw me and then kept walking, 
and then got realized it walked quite close and then like scampered off and then I saw it again at the top yawning yep yeah mm. fun just, story just chilling out yeah yeah Cool. But we did, we were often on the lookout for a wombat in those planes, but... Nothing. No wombat. No. Yeah. Lots of wombat poo, no wombat. I yep. can I can sympathise with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, final thoughts on Frenchman's Cap. Where does it rate in the, the great walks that you've done? So, I, I guess here's a thing I've been thinking a lot about. Overland Track versus Walls of Jerusalem versus Frenchman's Cap. Overland, I think, is the best beginner's one because it's, you know, the full bells and whistles experience. Walls of Jerusalem is probably your best bang for your buck in terms of, you know, once you once you get up that steep ascent, it's easy and the reward for effort is through the roof. This is the hardest by a long shot, but it's more spectacular than either of those two. Um, I think it's it's not the one I would recommend someone do first, but I think if you've done the Overland and or Walls, this will be one that is extremely rewarding and has you know it has so much of what makes Tasmania an exceptional place to hike and I think this is probably my favorite hike that I've done it, I'd say it's better than the overland Ooh, interesting and Alyssa I did owe much of what Don said <laughs> um, <laughs> I agree it was probably the one of the hardest as I said earlier one of the hardest hikes other than the caving tour in Vietnam um, yeah amazing views that I never thought I'd have a chance to experience and I definitely think it's uh made me feel confident in not ever doing the West Arthurs I feel fine with not doing that so but Don and Mark you guys can do that together <laughs> I'll, I'll graciously step in for you <laughs> thank you thank you very much but then also you've been probably more receptive to the south coast track Maybe. <laughs> I'm very hesitant to say 100% yes. Don't push it at this stage. <laughs> give, me, give me a little time away from hiking. I need a break. I think I have a burnout. Yeah. And then maybe I'll say yes to South Coast. Okay. Is there any? Yeah. All right. We won't start a marital <laughs> issue on that All right. Thanks, Alyssa, for coming in. Thank you for having me. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you had any questions about this pod or any other pods, you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please rate us on iTunes or whatever platform you're currently listening to us on. And we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you for listening.